Hello and welcome back to the Corridor of Uncertainty podcast. It's time for the penultimate episode of our Premier League season guide. Today we'll be discussing the European Dream Teams, the three sides who had unbelievable campaigns last season and will be taking on European football. We start off with Newcastle fan Darren, the co-founder of the Loaded Mag NUFC podcast. We then are joined by Joe, the Albion Obsessed podcast host. And then we finish off with Aston Villa fan Rich, host of the Villa Park pod. They're all great channels um, and, and make sure you check them out, podcasts and YouTube channels. Um, unbelievable stuff and, and three great guys. Really enjoyed having these guys on. Really positive episode on three clubs that are really looking forward um, and looking forward to this season because it's going to be great for all three of those guys to have European football um, at St. James's at the Amex and, and at Villa Park, of course. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing those guys in Europe and you should look forward to the podcast. I will let you enjoy it now and I will speak to you at the end. Thank you. Right, our first guest of the episode and of an episode which I think is probably going to be the most positive of all of the, of so the Premier fun, League guides yeah. um, is our, is the founder of Loaded Mag NUFC. Darren, hello, how are you? I'm good, guys. I'm good. I'm, 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 I must say, I'm co-founder. I, 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 a few of us grouped together and, and started. So, yeah, because, oh, I'll get fed up for that if, if I say I'm, I'm the, the leading it off. But, uh, no, great great to meet you guys. And uh, great, great. Uh, thanks for welcoming me on and uh, for, for having a little chat. No, thanks for coming on. Do you want to tell us a bit about, about Loaded Mag and, and how it started and what, what you're about? Sure. So uh, I suppose like all these podcasts, it all happened during COVID. Uh, So yeah, um, what happened was uh, one day I replied to a tweet for uh, um, a popular, um, uh, uh, so I suppose kind of celebrity in in Newcastle and and he he was running a Newcastle show. So I'll come up, pop on and do one show, did one show, really liked it. Uh, Then he started doing some match day lives when, when no one could go to the, the football games. So I uh, was involved in that. And then uh, at the time Madonna was kind of running the shows for him when he, he wasn't available. And then um, a few of us decided, let's try to do this ourselves. So we started a, a YouTube channel and we started, uh, we went to kind of general football first and, and having musical guests coming on as well. So bands who, who are just trying to break through and we did that. Uh, we bounce football questions and music questions with them and play some of their music. And then we, we kind of uh, branched into, we said, we'll go back to our roots, let's focus on Newcastle. So we focused on Newcastle. And then a couple of months later, there's a takeover finally went through. And yes, it's been brilliant since then. Yeah, I, I can imagine that is uh, that hasn't harmed the, the reputation of, of anything Newcastle related. It's just flying. Um, and, we, and we'll discuss that. That's what we're getting to first is, is last season, obviously, there was a lot of positivity around the place at the start of the season, but also it was it was an unknown. Nobody really knew what exact how, and, and no one could have expected how well it would have gone. How are you feeling, kind of going into the season and as as it progressed? Like, what was the point where you were like, "Hang on a second, that we are we are something here." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, like at the start of the season, I was predicting if we got uh, finished eighth or higher, I would be absolutely delighted because we had such a, a good end of season, the season before where, where Eddie Howe managed to keep us up. Uh, and yeah, I suppose 
uh, Miggy Almiron went start on, on a run and he couldn't stop scoring and we, we didn't know what was going on because like the previous season before he, he wasn't even get, uh, getting on he was going to only come on as a sub so he, he, he really took off and then Callum Wilson was scoring and Callum Wilson wasn't getting injured which usually happens uh, and we, we, were, we were on a, a nice little run and then the break came for the World Cup and then we uh, after that then yeah we, we it was a bit of a dip in form uh, but yeah it's we, we, we kind of wondered when when does this all end? Our bubble has to burst sometime. This is Newcastle. This doesn't happen to us. But it carried on and on and on. And, uh, and in the end, uh, we didn't really want the season to end because we're, we're in such good form, to tell you the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And Eddie Howe is obviously, like you say, is a, a, a huge part of that. Um, how, how, like, what has he done? Like, how has he managed it? Because obviously, we expected an improvement and money has been spent. There's, that's no that can't take away from how unbelievable of a job he's done. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I must give a shout out to one of my one of my co-hosts uh, in peace because he he had he made the suggestion of uh, bringing in Eddie Howe because we were all talking about when the takeover went through maybe Conte maybe Jose yeah. Mourinho all these massive names and uh, all this but uh, no, he, he identified Eddie Howe as someone who could could turn us uh, turn us around. But yeah, from from uh, from the, the previous season where Eddie saved us from, from from going into the championship to to taking us to the Champions League, absolutely amazing. What well, well, manager of the season has to be for me and everyone sector in you guys I think a lot of people outside of Newcastle as well managers season but then going from from Bruce Ball to training two days a week to becoming a professional outfit and where uh, intensity is our identity that that's that's the motto of, of Eddie Howard and the, the press that that uh, Newcastle put on teams it, it's just unbelievable and, and I'm sure as neutrals watching games you go wow well, what this is something to behold the way Newcastle plays but yeah um yeah, um, he, he, Eddie Howe, he hasn't do, done too bad from uh, the fellow that relegated Bournemouth, as uh, Steve Bruce once said. So he's doing he's doing pretty pretty well. And also a shout out as well to, to all his all his team, but but to uh, to uh, his assistant manager in Mad Dog Jason Tindall. Oh, who, yeah, uh, you might see annoying. the one and only. <laughs> well annoying. Yes, you, you might see him front and center in, in a few a uh, few clips, but I uh, know he, he's is a good guy as well. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they've done absolutely brilliant, um, and they've really turned us into to, to, to something special. Um, and yeah, yeah, we, we have spent a bit of money, but nothing like like when when the, before the, the the takeover didn't when it was blocked the first time eighteen months before that, and there was talk of oh Gareth Bale, Ronaldo, all these big massive names coming in, but like it hasn't been that. It's been solid professional leaders uh who can uh, who, who who come in and, and do the job uh, like uh, dan Byrne there like he, he wouldn't have been the top of many people's list uh when the, when the takeover went through but what what a job he, he's done and and trippier and so on the likes bruno getting bruno under the nose is probably of arsenal at the time but uh yeah it's it's been it's been remarkable and on that as well like i think when eddie howe came in a lot of people would would have thought maybe he was the he was the man before the name, if that makes sense. Do you like yeah. I guess he's got rid of that like he isn't the man now. Yeah, yeah, and exactly because a lot of people are like, what, what do we have to uh, take over like that to compare to? All we can do is compare to Man City. And if you remember, like there was there was Mark Hughes, and there was, yeah. a, there was a few more after that as well. Uh, before they got to Mancini and and to, to take it on, and there was as well as managers, stepping stone managers, or stepping stone players as well. But I know uh, Eddie Howe came in, uh, and yeah, look, 
us included, we, we, we thought, okay, this, we'll, let's see what he can do. Keep us up and give him another season and see, and see where we are then. But no, he's he's really, uh, he's been massive in the project. The, the, uh, and he, he's he's uh, he's a great face for the club as well. He never says the wrong thing. He, he always uh, manages, manages correctly. And uh, he never gives too much away as well. Uh, if, if he says uh, something around a player might be injured or a player uh, we're, we're, we're so far away from uh, bringing in someone, don't always believe him because he, he, the things that, the things going on in the background uh but uh, that, that he's he's a um he's doing really well for us anyhow i wouldn't swap him for anyone and then that is that is the truth i wouldn't swap, offer me any other manager even even pep where do you wouldn't want to take him. i want uh, I, I want eddie how uh and we we've built a lot of our show around anyhow as well because i don't have to i have to change a lot of songs we've a lot of our our team tunes for the for the show built around eddie how uh, we we have a a tune called the how so uh yeah so uh you know, sticking with eddie so what does he have to do to like keep his job? Because obviously you're now competing on two fronts, which, which we'll get into and your expectations of that in a minute. But is there anything that, say he slipped out of the top four next season, because I was going to ask you about that as well. Does, do you think you, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but maybe do you think like you were fortunate on the fact that Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea all played horrifically last season by their standards? Yeah, no. That's a good point because Liverpool aren't, aren't going to have as bad a start uh, this season as they did last year. Chelsea can't be as bad, uh, and uh, yeah, and um, <clears throat> Spurs. I think Spurs. Spurs. Sorry, Spurs fans. I think Spurs may maybe maybe uh, the same or worse, especially yeah. if Harry Kane goes. <clears throat> Even though they did get Madison, well, uh, no, I I don't know. Um, we'll see how 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 the new manager comes in and how he how he tries to change things as well for them. But uh, yeah, what does Eddie Howe have to do? Uh, more of the same. Uh, even. Even look, look it's, it's a massive season, and well, yeah, we're, you're, you're going to ask me the question about how we're going to get on, but, but we, like we, we don't have we don't have enough players, so we don't have a big enough squad to compete on all, all the fronts. Um, and we're going to be involved in the Champions League, League Cup, FA Cup, and the league. Um, uh, we, we need we need more players, uh, but we also have to understand that it's a project that we're, that we're in. Uh, we, we're bounded by uh, financial fair play. Uh, uh, we have to stick by the rules because if, if Newcastle alter the rules in any way, that's it. There's going to be uh, repercussions. Uh, other clubs might get away with it or might get a little fine, but we'll, no, we'll, we'll any clubs that. you want to shout out there? <laughs> Manchester City. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> Manchester City. Yes, yes. Uh, Man United, who who can get these massive sponsorship deals that are being announced today as well? Absolutely crazy. Uh, yes, but uh, everything we do is is monitored. We can't even sell uh, our 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 one of our good players in, in uh, Alan St. Maximum at, at a decent price. We have to go go. Uh, uh, I would have said. Thirty million is a steal for 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 uh, for selling an Alice at maximum. Twenty three million is the figure that's quoted. So, okay. yeah, How much did you pay it, for it is him? crazy. We paid twenty million for for him from Nice uh, back a few years ago. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's it is what it is. We we, we have to toe the line for a while and um, uh, until until we can build up the commercial revenues and then we can can. Um, uh, relax a bit but we we have we have the project that we're in we we have the likes of dan ashworth as well as sporting director who's who's did so well at, Bright, at brighton and him and more at brighton as well look at look at what, what they're doing and what they've built so we're, we're, we're trying to um find those the gems as well and, and bargains and and bring oh, there's an awful lot of emphasis on the 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 u teams as well we're bringing in an awful lot of younger players to the club as well even from my my own i, I live in ireland by the way in, in the west of ireland in galway and uh, we've even got alex murphy from from, from galway so they they 
they will search talent from all over the world and uh, build on that. But to answer your question, Luke, uh, what does Eddie have to do? I think more the same. Um, I, I myself, uh, I'd, I'd be amazed if he can, if he can get, if we can get fourth uh, again this season. Well, amazed uh, in one sense, but it's a big, big ask, you know, uh, to, to. To, to we got to a cup final last last season. Uh, uh, maybe we can go one, one better, win a cup. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be tough to get playing Champions League football and to get top four. Yeah, surprising. Yeah. On those uh, on those Champions League nights, how like how are you looking forward to those? I guess that's like the, the you live, see your mug, <laughs> living the dream. Yeah, yeah, you see my mug. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I've, I I got my Champions League mug built when we qualified for for, for the uh, Champions League. Yes, I'm all about that 31st of, of August and that Champions League draw. Waiting for that. Twenty years. Big, since I guess you want, big boys, right? you want to you want to get you want to get those big scalps to St James's. Yeah, why? Why not? I, I don't. I don't mind who we get. I really don't mind. Okay, when, when you're in the competition, you want to try and do as best you can. But it's it's an adventure first. It doesn't really really matter. Such we're so far ahead of ourselves in the project. Like you, you, we would have thought. Like we're only we're only a, a year and a half into the, the takeover, and like you thought you think that we'd be getting in the Champions League maybe by four after four or five years. But no, we're, we're there already. So anything is a bonus. And even even go, going getting not cup finishing in third and going into the Europa League. So what we we'll, we'll take the land as well. I think actually the final that is on in Dublin. So that'd be that. I, I don't mind that either if that was to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you also mentioned the, the the squad's thin. So do you think there'll be more? <clears throat> obviously, you got Tenali in, which is a great signing, even if he he doesn't look too happy about it. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, do you think there'll be many more through the door, or is the squad okay as it is? Uh, I mean, obviously it's no, thin. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of. Uh, uh, decent young players coming through as well. Well, I'm not going to say a lot. There's, there's one or two, the, the likes of um, Elliot Anderson and uh, Lewis Miley. Actually, Elliot Anderson is one to watch out for. Any For your fantasy football team, that's, he's 4.5 million. So he might be a nice little filler. For, uh, and he's done really well in preseason. But uh, yeah, no, we've got uh, Sandra Tonali. We've got Harvey Barnes in. We've got um, a guy called, from, called Menta. But he, uh, from, we got him from Odessa in uh, the Danish League. But he's gone alone to Feyenoord, who are actually in the Champions League as well. But uh, uh, so, so he's one for the future. Uh, so yeah, we do need we, we do need a bit more strength. We need we need a left back. Uh, Dan Byrne has been playing in as a left back, but he's not really in the left back. He can he he did well in, in last season. Uh, I was it was heart and mouth and and uh, mouth times a, a few times. Uh, yeah. Think of someone that's going to skin him, but uh, no, he did really well. He recovered. Um, we do we're looking at the likes of Tino Livermento from Southampton. Yeah. And they are all in turn are looking at I think today or yesterday about uh, Max Ahrens and maybe going to to Southampton, and we're also yeah we were linked to Kieran Tierney as well in in the left back position, but we'll see who, what what comes about that. The Lewis Hall was mentioned from Chelsea as well, but it looks it looks like he might go on loan for, uh, with to Crystal Palace. Um, also there's a, a right sided centre back which we we, we talked about uh, uh needing someone to to. To kind of be an understudy to to Shari in some ways, um, and kind of uh, learn from 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 him because <clears throat> he is he, he is in his thirties now, Shar. Uh, so we're looking at John Claire Tibo, who's actually linked to Man United today, as uh, like of Jochim Anderson from Crystal Palace as well as Optin. We're also looking potentially at a, a number six, um, the likes maybe of the Kevin Tiram from uh, from Nice is one option we 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 talk, talk about. Yeah, it, it, you're shaking your head, Ben. 
Yeah, he should be off to Liverpool. We were linked with him for yeah. like, whole flipping summer. I bet he goes to I bet he goes to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, you, you got Slamsley. Uh, mm. Dominic Did We we looked at him uh, as well. Um, but yeah, yeah we, no, and, and then oh, sorry. Yeah, no, and then then if if we get someone in in okay, left back is priority for me, and then right side the centre back, a kind of pacey one. Then maybe maybe a six uh, to release Bruno a bit, uh, and then um, after that maybe a surprise it would be it would be nice. <laughs> Have, yeah. So, you, like you said, there's a couple of players that Newcastle have missed out on, and they've probably gone to clubs in worse positions. Like Madison, for example, went to Spurs. Sabazai's come to Liverpool. I mean, I know historically, especially within the last five years, like Tottenham and Liverpool have been above Newcastle. But like in the current moment, Newcastle just look like they can get better. So, what do you make of Madison? Are you disappointed about that specifically? Yeah. We we talked about Madison, uh, one of the guys in in our, in our group. Actually, shout out to the lads, to Chris, Richie, and Pete, uh, who might be listening to this uh, later on when it goes out. But uh, Pete is from Leicester, uh, and so yeah, he really wanted Madison to come in. Uh, and um, but yeah, the whole thing with Madison, um, even though there was talk that he looked up some properties in 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 Newcastle, uh, and I know at the time his his uh, wife uh, was expecting um but he he the wages was the big factor uh because we 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 operating within the financial fair play we have to operate as well within our kind of our, our wage budget and um we we have to kind of be kind of careful there um spurs could offer more more wages for for from and maybe maybe fancy the, the the bright lights of london as well but uh if you <laughs> if you ask me if you if, for, for I, I said this on our, on our show if you're if you're a madison and if you're you're serious a bit about being uh, wanting to get to the top, you go to Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe will get you in the England yeah. team. He'll make you an England regular. Uh, I don't know what what the guy, uh, the the lad from Celtic, is, that's come to Spurs is, is going to do for him. But if Hart, with Harry Kane going as well, yeah, yeah I think I'd have chosen the weird one. James Madison, yeah. but I'm not because I'm really yeah. far from it. <laughs> um, that's why we're yeah. here talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so getting into to your expectations and what are you? What do you predict? If you're predicting the future, what are you seeing next season? Okay. So, same as last season would be absolutely perfect. I'd, I'd take that now. Maybe winning the winning the trophy instead, though, of uh, of not really turning up in the final against Man United. But, uh, no, realistically, at the moment, the way things stand, I'm, saying, I'm thinking we'd be coming fifth, right? And that could potentially get you into the Champions League uh, the, the following yeah. season. So, yeah. uh, but, yeah, so... At a push, if everything, if we got no injuries, we brought in a few more players, and everything went our way, I could see it, we could potentially get third. But that is Max now Dreamland scenario. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, think fifth is, is realistic. realistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, um, sorry, uh, and then in Champions League is that, that's just everything's everything's a bonus. Like it, no, there's no, there's yeah, no. Yeah, just enjoy the moment, basically. Everything is a bonus, um, and yeah, yeah, just just enjoy everything from the draw to just planning the games and just looking forward to everything. Like, uh, like 
uh, Ben, you, you're you're a Liverpool supporter. You, you're you used to Champions League. Like you probably you you probably bored. You needed a break anyway. You needed. A yeah, break well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go in the Europa League. It's on club. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Luke QPR. Yeah, yeah, you had you had your days like a big les legend, <laughs> club legend for Newcastle as well, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, um, no, no, it'd be great to see QPR come back up in the Premier League again. But uh, no, just uh, just Anthony. We we take what we get in 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 Europe. Uh, Anthem's a bonus, and just make sure to enjoy it. That's that's the bit. Just even from the draw to the the first time the Champions League music is played at Saint James's Park, and the the display. I imagine the war flags are put on. It'll be that's the only game you want to watch that night. It's going to be spectacular. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to that to that like first game at St James. I always like this, this, the big games at St James is. I know you mentioned like the intensity of of Eddie Howe, but it's it just takes it up like everything kind of comes together like well last season at least and it was just like I a few times I was watching Newcastle I was like if you can just make it through the 20 minutes and get and they're gonna have to tie it and they they it just doesn't stop yeah I know exactly they just cause and they, they caught people by surprise I think at the start last season when they did that but we're going to see more of that guys and because there's a there's a documentary coming out on Amazon Prime on the 11th of August so a four-part series um uh drop in each week so it's the day before sorry maybe it's not the, it's it's right before the Premier League starts so maybe it's the ninth I can't remember now but yeah I think it, I saw the the trailer for that it looks absolutely unreal so it's something we get a, another insight into Eddie Howe I think and you know he's, he's he's always the nice guy in front of the camera but you can we're going to see another flavor of him I think so that would be very interesting as long as it's Eddie Howe and not his assistant manager I'll be all right surprise JT so we will um we'll wrap it up there it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on thank you very much for spending your evening with us would you like mm-hmm. to shout out any like the twitters and the youtube all, all the pluggies all the socials sure so uh yeah as, as i said i'm part of loaded mag nufc so that is our youtube channel you can find us there so and our our uh twitter and insta is uh, at loaded mag nufc so uh you'll find us there and yeah we have we have a range of shows and uh, we have a lot of uh guests coming out from other clubs as well we have an away day show where each time we, we play so there's something to look out for for everyone and what would listen to this is you, you'll find your team uh, and also we have uh presenters from Sky Sports, uh, local journalists, national journalists coming on talking about different topics, Newcastle related as well. So yeah, there's something for everyone. And we, we try to do it with a bit of humor as well. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, everyone's more than welcome to come and subscribe. It's free. <laughs> yeah, we already had 6,000 subscribers actually. So we're yeah, getting there. And um, it's been a pleasure to have you on and, and we'll definitely be chatting during and throughout the season. We've said to all our guests, if we get you on halfway through the season, we see how these little early predictions have gone um, and, and we'll speak to you then for sure. Lovely look. Lovely look. And Ben, thanks very much. Best luck to your, your team, except Liverpool. And uh, next season. <laughs> You're not over Carl Valley though, are you? Yeah. 90 seconds. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Our next guest on the episode is Joe, the Brighton fan host of Albion Obsessed. Um, do you want to introduce yourself, Joe? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and the podcast as well. Yeah, and so I host the Albion Obsessed podcast, as you uh, mentioned. Um, so we've been doing that for two and a half years now, going into our third season as a podcast, which has been quite fun. Um, we've got a whole host of people on there, a couple of guys from America as well who have just taken on 
they've just had the summer series so they've been getting involved over there as well so it's been really good to expand uh the brand if, if you like but um yeah me myself as a brighton fan uh been brighton fan for as long as i can remember um sort of i think started supporting the club in our last season at the with dean when i sort of started really to get into football at the age of 15 and then just been following the club from there and obviously <laughs> the, the journey itself has been an upward trajectory since um maybe we have one dodgy season in the middle of it with sammy Huppier, but um yeah, just been following the club, seeing where we go and found ourselves here, which is is marvellous. So, yeah, um, as you can imagine, loving life at the moment. Yeah, you you talk about that journey. Like, we'll get into last season in a moment, but like how it like supporting Brighton must be. I mean, there's a few clubs in the Premier League that have been up and down a fair bit throughout the football pyramid. Like how like it just must have been incredible. But in the recent years must be, I guess, just be like, beyond belief like a few seasons a fair few seasons ago yes yeah, it's, it's a dream because like, most brighton fans you know start supporting the club because their dad does their granddad does it's all a family thing very much a local club and when as i say when i started supporting the albion we were last season at the with dean moving to the amex um and you know i don't think even the craziest brighton fan would have foreseen this rise to european football and when I sort of joined, my dad was like, "It's not going to be fun, son. Don't worry. You know, like it's it's not going to be you supporting Chelsea's or United's or whatever. It's you know, it's going to be hard graft." Um, but it's been very much the opposite of that. Um, it's just been an upwards rise, as I say, and um, it's it's like a it's just such a community feel around the supporters as well. Even the fans that have come on board, as I say, we've got a couple of American guys and they've totally bought into the ethos of the club and um, sort of learned our journey and, and learned about Tony Bloom, who he is as an owner um, and see the club as probably one of the most unique uh, in the football pyramid. Yeah, definitely. Like I think Brian, I, I think we're big fans of Brian on the podcast. It's yeah. just, it's a, a really nice club to get behind. I think there's not, I don't think there's many many fans that other than the obvious that have got a real big issue with them they 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 just seem like when it, when there's a club that's up there and competing and competing off just just naturally if i make like not not through pumping yeah. money in it's just natural and mm -hmm. it just it's just got a really good feel about it yeah it's like proper how a club should be run really yeah. you get these youth players in work with them make them excellent sell them for big money yeah, and we'll go. We'll speak a bit about last season. Obviously, you started the season with Potter, who again, I, I I loved Potter. Um, going to Chelsea kind of tarnished that a bit for me. Um, but uh, I I still think he's great. Um, but obviously, Deserby then came in and tell us a bit about how how you were feeling towards the start of the season, and obviously that change, and then how that change ended up turning out even better. Yeah, as you can imagine, I've spoken about this sort of a lot over the last 12 months um, or coming up to 12 months now at, at the start of the season anyway. And it's been it's been really weird. It's felt longer than the, the 10 odd months that we've had the Zerbi. And um, when the Graham Potter stuff happened, um, I sort of had to try and put myself in the shoes of how I was feeling then, because my feelings towards Graham Potter have certainly been tarnished since and uh, the comments that he's made towards fans, etc. Um, but at the time, of course, like we'd just come off the back of our most historic season, finished in the top 10 in the Premier League. 
um, beaten Man United um, with Cristiano Ronaldo in their team 4-0, yeah. which, as I say, back in those with Dean days, you would never have imagined Cristiano Ronaldo on the on the losing end uh, of a 4-0 scoreline um, against Brighton. Um, and it was dreamland. And we started the season off unbelievably well. We beat United again under Ten Hag when it was meant to be the you know, the the second coming of Alex Ferguson, this amazing new dawn at Manchester United. And we turn up and, and ruin that party. And then we're beating Leicester 5-2 a, a few uh, or a month later. And we're like, what can we achieve this season? Because the sky's the limit. <laughs> With Tony Bloom as, as the owner and, and the recruitment that we're doing and how well respected we are across the footballing world, we're, you know, we're a force to be reckoned with. Um, and then the phone call comes. <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea want your manager. As soon as Tuchel was sacked, I was like, mm, here we go. Okay. Yeah, We've been waiting for this moment. Obviously, Spurs um, asked about Graham Potter's availability, I think, 12 months prior, um, which was rejected, uh, which I find quite funny. That's unbelievably Spursy. <laughs> Levels to um, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so I think Graham Potter was maybe waiting for this opportunity to to manage in the Champions League and to manage at what he thought at the time would be like, you know, life changing. It was life changing for him. He's probably got a £60 million payout or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, but waiting for that opportunity and if you take your bright and tinted spectacles off, yeah, maybe that was a great opportunity for him to to, to gut the whole club, to take everyone with him. That's that's what didn't sit right. Um, and the fact that still to this day, we are talking about Chelsea taking Moises Caicedo, <laughs> Robert Sanchez. They want everybody else under the sun. Um, Todd Bowley might as well have just put in a bid for, for, for Tony Bloom. He might as well have just said, I'll buy Brighton because that's the way it's gone. Um, and yeah, it felt like everything was crumbling, to be honest. And it was like, okay, yeah. That's Brighton's limit. That's Brighton's ceiling. We get this amazing manager and it's just going to be poached. We get these amazing players like Kukurea, um, who who I, you know, I still look back on his time with us and think, wow, how good he was for for just a season in the Premier League. Funny that he's flopped at Chelsea, but that's another story. So there's no like um, bad blood then. You're absolutely <laughs> loving the fact that they've yeah. failed. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 not bitter at all. I don't know what you're on about. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, it's just one of those things where you look back and actually you have to say thank you to Chelsea, to be honest. I think Graham Potter definitely had his limits, um, but at the time we didn't see his limits. Um, he found his limits at Chelsea, in my opinion, and Roberto De Zerbi's come in and he's changed the whole thinking of this football club that, yeah, we can go to Anfield and we can win 1-0. Yeah, we can go to... Um, wherever we want to go and 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 win, um, but how about actually finishing above these clubs or competing with these clubs to get these European spots? Brighton and Hove Albion have just qualified for the Europa League, the same European competition as Liverpool. We were probably two or three wins away from getting Champions League or being really spoken about for a Champions League spot. Yeah. And that's not me even being delirious as a Brighton fan. That's that's realistic. And there were so many games last season that could have so easily gone our way. That Spurs game um, at, at White Hart Lane, which was just the, the biggest travesty you'll ever see. Oh, is that the um, one with all the handballs? 
Yeah, the yeah. like five decisions went against us. Mm. And I think we had something like three apologies from that game alone. Um, the Crystal Palace one with a Stupinian's goal ruled out wrongly for offside for drawing the line on the wrong man. How how does this bad luck happen to, to one football club? Um, it's just crazy. So if you think about those fine margins of if those points went for us, we would have been well up there with a shout for Champions League football and call me crazy, but why why can't we do that again next season or this season? Yeah. Um, we've had a, a relatively okay preseason. Results would say not, but I think we've played unbelievably well. We've got a lot of incredible talent coming through the ranks, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But it's really exciting times again um, to be a Brighton fan. And I don't think it's a one-off that Brighton are going to be competing in Europe. Um, but I could have egg on my face come the end of the season. But Yeah, and, and, and you know, like, I've been watching a bit of the summer series. It's not like, it's not just getting there. It's the way you're playing as well. And and the summer series for me, it seems like it's up another level. Like it's the composure at the back is something like if I was a fan in the stands, my heart would be in my mouth the majority of the game because the like the calmness in the most pressurized situation is unbelievable. Yeah, um, there's been many a moment where I've been... So I, I sit in the north stand at the Amex, so that's right behind the north goal, and um, you can see the the back line. Um, not, not overly well, because I sit quite close to the pitch. So for me, I'm very much like in the game. Um, it's terrifying. It really <laughs> is. When you see a ball coming back 10 to the dozen towards Jason Steele, you're thinking he's got to get this ball to Caicedo or he's got to get this ball to a fullback. Bang, does it. And then we're off and then we're we're scoring. It's it's the most mesmerising football I've ever watched. Um, And I still, to this day, have fans around me shouting, clear the ball, clear yeah. the ball, hoof yeah. it, get rid of it. And it's like, do you not understand the process of what Tr- Roberto De Zerbi is <laughs> trying to do? And how how much have you watched us do this and then get a goal scoring opportunity from it. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And like we, we played Newcastle the other day and literally from kickoff, that game plan was, was, was fully in swing. And Jason Steele was pulling the strings left, right, and center. He even got an assist against Brentford. Um, so, you know, it goes to prove that Roberto De Zerbi is bringing all 11 players onto that pitch to play football. You're not, you're not got a goal, uh, a shot stopper, and then. Your, yeah. your your players in front of them. Is that why Sanchez like, has been kicked out the team then, really? Because he's not started as much, has he? Yeah, I think Sanchez, it's been an unlucky one for him because I, I like him as a goalkeeper. I think he's capable of playing Roberto De Zerbi's style, but I think he's just fallen out of favour with De Zerbi. I think there's an attitude problem from Robert Sanchez. I think We're both big fans of Robert Sanchez as well, so I think yeah. I was a bit confused as to why he'd been knocked out of the team where you were like, well, he just doesn't play the football. He's he's got a stinking attitude, really, really bad. You you see it even in the warm ups when when I'm there at sort of an hour before and I'm watching the team warm up and something doesn't quite go his way. He's throwing a strop left, right, and centre. So, um, and and the same thing happened with Leandro Trossard. He was throwing a strop and and he was booted out of the team. So, Roberto De Zerbi is very much a man that if you're not gonna buy into his way, then you're not gonna be in the squad. Um, and Robert Sanchez missed out on. Celebrating 
achieving European football last season because of that. Um, I don't like to speculate too much on that because I, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm just a fan in the stands. But that's the impression I get from what De- Roberto De Zerbi has said. It's what Pep Guardiola does as well, isn't it? If you don't want to be there, get out. Yeah, 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 and it's exactly. similar to Arteta as well. Like yeah. that, you've you've got the squad has got to be with you, and obviously, clearly, Brighton is like the the, the if you're going to play that way, you've got to be committed to it. Yeah. Um, and but you you mentioned the squad, is that squad because obviously, if if you want to be kin- competing in Europe on a regular basis, I guess that's the aim for next season. Can you do that and compete in Europe as well as trying to qualify for Europe at the same time with the squad that you've got, or are you going to need to add numbers? Uh, I think there's still numbers to to be added. Um, I don't think we're anywhere near done in the transfer market. I think we need maybe another centre-back. I think we need a right-back. And of course, the the remaining question is Moises Caicedo. Is he going to be at the club? Is he not? Um, I would say most likely not at the football club. Normally, players get their way in this situation. Um, however, people forget that we're dealing with Tony Bloom in these negotiations. Um, he's not been a guy that's sort of let things happen just because a player wants to go. He's definitely not a guy that will stand in the way if a reasonable offer comes in, if it's an offer he feels that Yes, it it matches our valuation, and Chelsea have come nowhere near it. And um, we saw that in January as well with Caicedo when Arsenal were after him, hmm. didn't we? Like, there was they they chucked a decent wad of cash at you as well, and just was no, wasn't it? Seventy million, I think, was the yeah. bid. Um, and I think that probably and call me crazy all you like, but in in a winter transfer um, window, I think that probably needed to be doubled. Yeah. If we were to lose him in the winter. And I know you're going to say oh, that's mad, 140 million for Caicedo. But in the summer, I think it's a different story. I think yeah. it's 100 million pounds or walk away from negotiations. Yeah. Um, and Chelsea have put in four bids from my knowledge. I think the first one was 65 million, which is an absolute insult. <laughs> They've gone up in five million pound increments. Um, and they're just being rejected instantly because if you start at 65, you're probably just about approaching 85 million pounds now. Mm. Tony Bloom isn't going to stick around in those negotiations for long. Um, So their next bid, um, which I've heard is will be their final bid, they have to be hitting over that 100 million pounds mark. Well, I hope they don't. I think Liverpool. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think he's he's a midfielder for for any team. I think he's... Um, and again, fans banter me, but at the start of last season, um, I was on a Newcastle podcast and they were saying, oh, you've just lost Eve Basuma. What are you going to do? And I said, it's fine. Moises Caicedo. And they were like, really? Is it, is he as good as Basuma? I said, he's going to be 10 times the player Basuma is. Um, look at the season. It's not going great either. <laughs> exactly. Exactly yeah. that. Um, and it's a shame for Basuma because he's, he's an um, unbelievable player. I loved watching him in, in the Albion, uh, shirt. Um, but for Caicedo, I don't think I'm far off the mark from saying that he's probably one of the best midfielders I've ever seen play. And that's not just for Brighton, that's for any team. He is a generational talent. Yeah, and yeah, you think the age thing as well. And, and like you say, you're negotiating with Chelsea as well. And you know, if you're negotiating with Todd Bowley, he's going to stump up the cash eventually, you'd imagine, because he, that's, he's not got a problem with that. <laughs> I've seen that. 
Um, well, they but... paid 105 million pounds for Enzo Fernandez, exactly. and a lot of a lot of people are saying, "Well, what's Caicedo done to justify that price tag?" And yeah, you can say, "Oh, um, Enzo Fernandez won the World Cup, which is fair enough." But I'm sorry, a World Cup winner just went for 55 million pounds to Liverpool yeah. from our football club. Thank God, um, you're well, you're <laughs> welcome, by the way. Um, and you know, Caicedo's got Premier League experience. It's it's not lost on anyone in the football world that has a brain how good Moises Caicedo is. And yeah. he is worth every single penny if Chelsea cough up the money. Yeah. Um, going on to the, the players that are there, obviously Brighton have earned themselves a reputation for popping new players in, into the world and, and and then just these gems of coming from everywhere. Who are, who are we looking at next season? First of all, like the players that kind of burst onto a little bit Last year, the NC so's the the Fergusons, what's it, Buonanotte, and a few others. Yeah, so is, is that? I guess those guys you're just looking to get more minutes, and 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 Gilmore as well is another one I I, I want to see more from. And in the summer series, I think he's he's impressed. Um, and is there some new guys that are going to kind of pop in and out and, and be the, that next wave as well? Yeah, um, you will see a lot of Twitter accounts saying, "Who the hell is Simon Adingra?" Um, but watch out for him. He has been electric in the summer series. Um, I kept track of him at USG last season. He was out on loan at USG um, and their fans were absolutely loving him. Um, it's also the club that Dennis Undav and Karu Matomo um, came back from um, after we purchased them. Um, so, you know, they've got a good track record of of nurturing our talent and sending them back to us. And I think Simon Adingra is going to be the one this season. I think he's going to be challenging Karen Matoma for that left wing uh, position. Um, and a lot of people would have said you, you, you would put a shoe in for Karen Matoma to be the starting left winger um, at the start of the Premier League season against Luton. But I genuinely believe that Simon Adingra has a shout for, for being that starting left wing. Um, he's been fantastic. He scored two goals against Brentford. Um, and he's sort of a different type of winger that we've been missing at Brighton. Um, this guy that's not full of skills. He's not um, sort of the, the the sleekest, but he's unbelievably rapid and he will drive at the fullback and he will get into the box and get a shot off. Whereas with Matoma, I don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore Matoma. His dribbling is probably one of the best I've ever seen. But sometimes... He goes that one step too much or he, he doesn't pull the shot when he should. Solly March, I adore Solly March, but he has his weaknesses as well. I think Simon Adingra nurtured correctly, which Roberto De Zerbi seems to do quite well with the youngsters, could be a force to be reckoned with. And you mentioned the likes of Evan Ferguson. I mean, if United are sending, uh, uh, signing this guy from Norway for, what, 70, 70 million pounds? Yeah. Something crazy like that. How much is Evan Ferguson worth? So people are, are scoffing at Brighton for putting these huge price tags on these players. But we've got Premier League experienced players that are, are ready and waiting to to disrupt the top six again. Um, and it's no, no, it, it doesn't compute with me why people say, oh, why are Brighton valuing this person this much? Because if it was any other club, there wouldn't be a problem. It's because it's Brighton. Yeah. Um, How much would you yeah, say we... Ferguson's worth? Sorry, just in your valuation. Honestly, right now, sixty. Ah. I'm not going to overvalue. I'm not going to say a hundred. I'm I'm not delirious. I think he's he's a young lad who's got a lot to learn. But it's no secret that he knows where the the back of the net is. Yeah. Um, and 
he burst onto the scene last season against Arsenal and and you know yeah, injury free injury free Evan Ferguson is one of the best strikers we we've had um certainly since Glenn Murray um and I I think we've been crying out for that Glenn Murray replacement um and I think Evan Ferguson is Glenn Murray on steroids I I think yeah. he's he's, he's going to be unbelievable for us and I just hope we can keep hold of him so what about these new signings as well that are probably a bit more established than some of these South American wonders we haven't heard of necessarily. So the likes of João Pedro, who's got a lot to, to live up to. Uh, Mahmoud Dahoud, James, James Milner. Milner. There's another youth for you there. He'll be playing for another 50 years. Yeah, James Milner, the the, the young lad from Leeds. What yeah. is he, 87 now? Yeah. Um, I think it's around. Uh, I, it's nice to be small I, midfielders. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, th- thank thanks for sending him to England International Retirement Home <laughs> alongside Adam Lalana and Danny Welbeck as well. <laughs> um, honestly, I I'm as excited to watch James Milner play as I am to watch Jao Pedro play in the flesh. I I've adored James Milner throughout his whole career. I think he's a fantastic player, so versatile, so professional, and you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, and I think the there was some crazy number, I think, last season that he was hitting the the top uh, distance covered or or the top um, sort of speed across a certain amount of uh, distance. And that's crazy. Like, what is this guy on? Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see him. Jal Pedro, um, I think, is really, really impressed um, in preseason. Um, and Roberto De Zerbi's got one hell of a selection headache on his hands. Yeah, yeah. We've got Danny Welbeck firing all cylinders, Julio and CISO. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Evan, I, I am unbelievably excited. And people are saying, do Brighton have the depth? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think James Milner especially, is a, I've been lucky enough to see him play a few times. And he is, what he, the only thing that will let James Milner down now is that age that he's like 37 and that he might not be able to keep up with these players. I think, I think he'll be called upon when needed in yeah, games. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to be the guy that comes on in in a European night. Brings other things to the club, of, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, and and he's going to sort of get these younger players through it and get them ready yeah. for these huge European nights, which you know I've never experienced. Every time I say European nights, I get goosebumps <laughs> down the back of my neck. When we when honestly when we secured it against Man City, um, which was obviously the point we needed. You could argue that we did it against Southampton, but I like to say we've done it against Man City because it sounds more <laughs> spectacular. Um, they played the Europa League theme tune um, at the end, uh, at the final whistle. Honestly, I've never cried so much in a football ground before. <laughs> it was it was not a sight you wanted to see, but it was the most special day ever. And I can't wait to see Lewis Dunk walking out with that captain's armband with the Europa League uh, sort of uh, graphics in the background. It's going to be some some occasion. So, yeah. Shame you'll only get second in that, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, a... you know, <laughs> there's another if, team in there. If, if we if we get to the final when it's against Liverpool, and I'll, I'll meet you in Dublin, mate, and I'll, I'll buy you a pint. <laughs> I'm up for it. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll look ahead. Obviously, that is that is just a like a dream. Like that's as a QPR fan looking at Brighton. That's why I think it's such a lovable thing. It's like it's not. Mm. It's like the impossible is possible. But you know what's weird for me? Like, um, what is it? 10 years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit less, maybe eight years ago, I was going to the Amex watching Brighton play under Sammy Huppier. And I think 
we'd just sacked Sammy Hoopier, brought in Chris Hewton, and QPR were flying. Yeah. I still remember going to the Amex and being terrified of QPR. Um, and, and that's no disrespect, but it's it's just crazy how football can change in yeah. such a quick turnaround. Um, and, you know, a, a club as historic as QPR, because I think you are, I don't think you're going to be struggling for much longer. Hopefully not, because right. I, I do love QPR. I, I love the away day. Um, not that I've been, but um, I've I've seen a lot of people saying about how amazing Loftus Road is, um, and we've got really special memories. Unfortunately for you, not not really, but you know it's it's a historic club, and I hope you're fighting back for the for the Premier League. Soon. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you need to appoint Dave, for a season. Dave's gone. You've gone from terrified of QPR. I'm now terrified of watching QPR at the moment. So that's, that's the problem with Fair enough. Maybe you should tap up Graham Potter, see what he's doing. Yeah, maybe. If he's up for working miracles, we need one. Um, but yeah, we'll, we've got a little bit of time left. Do you want to just shout, see what you're expecting for next season? Uh, just kind of, yeah, What what's what's your kind what of early you prediction? Yeah. Um, I'm expecting a lot of hair loss. I'm expecting a lot of stress. Um. I would take in the Premier League top ten again. Yeah. That's only if we do well in Europe. I think if we go out the group stages um, in the Europa League, I would expect us to put on another charge for whether that be Conference League or Europa League again. Yeah. But if we progress to the knockouts, I would take top ten, um, and I would be happy with quarterfinals in the Europa League. Yeah, that would be amazing, and and like like you say, I think you've like depth going forward, especially is 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 not is you're not struggling in that department whatsoever. But and I think you can compete on those fronts, um, and I'd love to see it again. It's been it's been great to have you on. Um, if you want to mm-hmm. shout out your socials before we go, yeah. Um, so if you want to follow me, it's at Sayers B H A F C. Um, and if you want to follow our podcast, it's at Albion Obsessed across all socials, uh, wherever you decide to go. Don't go on that stupid X app, though. It's don't like it. <laughs> so thank you, <laughs> thank you very much for um, coming on and spending a bit of your evening. Um, we look forward to that uh, that Dublin meetup at the end of the season, but I'm sure we'll speak to you <laughs> before so, that. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on, and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. No worries. Cheers, mate. Our final guest on the podcast is Rich, the Villa fan. Um, hello, Rich. How are you? I know you're the podcast host of the Villa Park Pod. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and a bit of that podcast as well? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name's Rich. I'm a, a Villa fan of uh, too long now. Uh, so, what, am I 42? Yeah, so I've been supporting them since I was born. My first Villa match was... 1986 a 3-1 victory against Chelsea um so yeah I've been supporting Villa pretty much all my life uh, I live in Newcastle um upon time so do a fair bit of traveling um so I go to most away as many away games as I can always like the away games and then get to to home games as and when I can as well and my son he's a proper Geordie but he's a Villa fan as well so keeping it in the family and yeah I've been doing the the Villa Park podcast for about, I'd say, three years. I think we started in lockdown. I mean, those years seem like they they were just like mashed together. But yeah, I think I think lockdown uh, started it audio only um, first of all, and then joined up with another kind of sports YouTube channel for a little while, and um, that was various supporters of different football clubs, and then 
kind of branched out by myself last year with the lads who do the podcast with me and we've we've had some really good growth we've gone from like pretty much zero subscribers this time last year to kind of just over two well just over 2100 as we speak so yeah it's been fantastic to to do the to do the podcast yeah, it's been it's great stuff. I, I checked it out once we got in touch with you. It's really good stuff. So make sure anyone listening is, is going to check that out. Um, but like you say, it, it's been it's been a journey. I, I can imagine for a Villa fan, there's been ups and downs. Um, if, if we're going back to last season, it started with a, a, a bit of a worrying start, and and then Emery came in and and changed changed the world. Like what what was your kind of summary over last season? Obviously, Gerard starting it, and and then when Emery came in and, and turning the tide. Yeah, it's uh. It's been it's been crazy, you know, like when you think about the turnaround um, and we were talking about it this uh, on kind of the podcast, because as I say, we've been on the YouTube for about a year and we we're talking about how we how we were trying to big up last pre last year's preseason because we actually had some good results in last year's preseason. But for whatever reason, it just didn't seem right. The club, something at the club didn't seem right. And obviously there was all that kind of fallout with Gerard and, and Tyra Mings. He took the captaincy yeah. off him and made John McGinn captain. And there was arguments whether McGinn was ready for it. And, you know, and he wasn't in his best form at that time. And then we kind of signed Diego Carlos and, and Bubaka Kamara, who were great signings and um, turned up at Bournemouth on the first game of the season, fairly optimistic as to, to what we were going to do. You know, Gerard was very bullish about, where he expected Villa to, to to be challenging for at that time of the season. And we just went down with a whimper, 2-0 against Bournemouth, a newly promoted side. And it was all downhill from there. Diego Carlos gets injured, still hasn't hadn't resolved the situations with with the players in the team. And once you lose the fans, you know, I was kind of really wanted Gerard to do well. I, I thought he was what we needed at the club. Um but yeah, once he'd lost the fans, and I think it was that game against Fulham, it was, it was, it was the writing was on the wall, and it was done then. And to, to but then to get a, ma- a manager of the caliber of Unai Emery, I, I just don't think that Villa fans could could believe it. And we're kind of still pinching ourselves now. And and if you look at the difference in the the the, the actual difference in the players, other you know, obviously we'll talk about signings that we've made this summer. But at that time, it was the same team, the same players. And all of a sudden, they were they were playing with a a way that had a, a a way of playing that was that was in, implemented really quickly. Obviously, it helps when you start to get results. We were scoring goals. We were solid at the back, and it was just you know. And, and then once that happens, the players start to kind of just buy into everything that he's saying, and and that's what's continued. Like if you look at the, I think it was literally Man United, uh, Man City, and Arsenal. Um, that have been that have had better form than us over over the time since Emery took over. So, I think Villa fans are still pinching themselves as to what's happened. To be fair, yeah, I was about to say because I was, I was thinking like since Emery came in, obviously, like you've managed to have an unbelievable end to the season and and finishing in Europe, which like I just especially from where you were, like it wasn't you were you had like whatever the opposite of a head start is, like you started behind everybody else because everyone had got the jump. Um, for him to do, how has how has he managed to turn it around so quickly? Well, like I said, I think I think when when Dean Smith going back to when Dean Smith was there, he was really good at kind of getting the players on side, building that relationship with the players, and creating a real kind of family mentality at the club. 
I think he suffered when when Jack Grealish left and some of the signings that we made at that point were quite panic signings. And we thought that as a fan base, we needed a winner and Gerard was that. Problem was, is I think that Gerard didn't have any kind of system or any structure to go behind that kind of winning mentality that he was meant to bring. Unai Emery's got both of that. Those are, He's won trophies, he's managed at the top clubs and he's got a, a system that can be implemented um, you know, obviously immediately. And I just think the players were craving for kind of a bit of structure and, and a system to play with. And that was what, that's what he's brought. He's brought a, a, a definite way of playing. Um, and you can, you can already see it now in preseason. The players were craving for it. And they've all of a sudden, because they were getting results, I think they kind of list, they hang on to every word that he's saying. It's incredibly detailed what he asked them to do. And as I said before, like as, as, as Villa supporters, we're just like, it, it's a weird thing. Like, I don't know whether you boys see it with your own clubs, but when you see like a set move that has clearly been done on the training ground, translate into the actual match and it causes not only chances, but it creates a goal. It's almost like the most satisfying thing to yeah. see as a football fan. Cause you, you know what the players are working on rather than you thinking the turn up on a Saturday and you think, what have they been doing in training? Like, this is just, these are meant to be good footballers. Like, what is going on? You're yeah, now seeing, Villa like, the early. fruits. I saw Villa play in the middle of the season. I saw them on Boxing Day against Liverpool at Villa Park. And there was points in the, I think that was pretty, it must have been quite soon after you'd got Emery in, because... Yeah, it was like, I think, yeah, that was the Boxing Day game. So that was... We'd, Must have got like before, before the yeah, before the World Cup break, we had we won, I think, two games under him in a row. So he beat Man United and then he beat Brighton. Then it was mm. the World Cup break, and then Liverpool was that first match back yeah. after that. I remember watching Villa and being like, Oh my god, I'm terrified. I mean it didn't help I was in the Villa end, but yeah. <laughs> I was just I was oh yeah, I'm a Villa fan today. So yeah. my head smashed <laughs> it. But like because we st- we scored quite quickly, but after that, it was all Villa. Like I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, oh, I think we were lucky that it was Emmy Martinez was was still not back in goal. It was uh, Robin Olsen and everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and don't get me wrong, it's took it's taken, and, and I'm sure they will still make mistakes going forward. But it, you know, it's taken Villa fans to kind of a bit of time to understand the type of football that he's expecting them to play. Like that Liverpool game, there's probably a couple of mistakes that the that the players made. They were getting used to how to play. I think there was a, a stage where we lost three in a row. I think it was Leicester, Arsenal and, and Man City, where I think the Leicester game in particularly, in particular, there was three or four mistakes that we made just by being sloppy with passing it across the back. But the payoff is when, when we get through, when we beat that kind of press, some of the football and some of the attacking play is just a joy to watch. So, yeah, in, in short, what he's brought is a real structure, a way of playing, and the, he's getting the best out of pretty much every player that we've that we've got in the, in the current side. Yeah, definitely. And and with that, obviously, like the squad you've got, you've got to now compete on, on the European front as well. Are you expecting more signings to come in? Are you happy with it with a few that you've got in already? Oh, well, I'm I'm absolutely buzzing with the signings that we made already. You know, Yuri Tielemans on a free transfer. I think a few people maybe turned their nose up at that. With the he didn't have his best season last season at Leicester, but I think that could be said for the vast majority of the players, other than maybe Madison and possibly Harvey Barnes in yeah. terms of goals. Um, 
but so, but he's kind of fitted in into pre-season like he's been playing for Villa, you know, for years. So that that's a real positive sign. Or you know, you can't read too much in, into pre-season, albeit that. How Torres, it was a player that I think Emery really wanted. Now, whether we really needed him is is a case in point. You know, Mings has been playing very well. Conta's a really good centre centre back. Diego Carlos is coming back to fitness, but the nonetheless looks looks a top quality player. And then Musa Diaby just seems like a player that we've been craving out for 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 many 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 years. Just by the way he started, pace, ruthless finishing. You know, I think he's probably a a level above where we, where Villa, you know, would would be getting players. I think he's really going to help take us to the next level. In terms of other signings, I think we probably need another cover at right back. I think we need another centre forward. Um, but the problem is with that is Ollie Watkins doesn't necessarily work well with having yeah. like a top player as competition, as was found with Danny Ings. So whether that's a forward player who can cover across the across the front line, there's been talk of Ferran Torres. Um, so that could be an option. But I, th- I think other than that, with, with some of the young players, I think we're pretty well set. Um, again, we were talking about what it was like last season. We pretty much at the end of the season just played with, the, with pretty much 11 players um, and maybe one or two coming off the bench. Um, and it was really threadbare, the squad. Whereas at the moment now, we, we're kind of bringing on, I know, again, I, I temper that with the fact that it's pre-season, but we're bringing on players like the, the like last, yesterday's friendly or the day before's friendly, Sunday's friendly. We had um, Tielemans, who came off the bench? I think it was Tielemans, Leon Bailey, uh, Emmy Buendia and... It might have been Philip Coutinho or something like that. Yeah. It was it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and you think, how are we getting a bench as good as that? And Jacob Ramsey and Alex Moreno, the the signing that Emery made last season, they're still they're injured at the moment. Yeah. So we're pretty stacked across the pitch. It's it's probably just that forward area and cover at right back that we probably need. That being said, the Thursday Sunday kind of split with Europe is gonna he's gonna ta- he's he's gonna take its toll, but you couldn't ask for a better manager who knows how to deal with it as the new Emery. Yeah, and just on that strike thing, because obviously I've watched a lot of championship football, uh, um, unfortunately, over the last few years. <laughs> um, and more to come, I imagine. But um, obviously we had we had Big Tim uh, in midfield, one of the shining lights for us last season. And then obviously Cameron Archer t- was tearing it up. Do you not think Cameron Archer's got a got a shout to, to get some goals? Or do you think he'll be heading out again uh, this season? No, I think he'll stick around. I do think he'll stick around. I think he deserves the chance to stick around. Um, he, um, he's yeah, he's done fantastically well in the championship. Um, the Premier League is a different kettle of fish, though. And I, and just off the back of kind of pre-season, um, he started the game. I think he started the game against Fulham um, in this summer series uh, and did did well. Won a penalty. Uh, had another couple of chances. Um, but I think the way that he plays on the shoulder of the defender and kind of looking for through balls, um, he's got that ruthlessness in the box, don't get me wrong, but it's just the number of chances that you get in the in the Premier League compared to the Championship and the physicality of it. Is he going to get enough? Is he going to be able to get enough away from a defender or kind of those chances in the box that he would thrive off. I'm not 100% sure, but 
we, I think we need him around because of the Europa Conference League and because of the homegrown player element of it. So whether he kind of comes through, builds his confidence up, hopefully in that Conference League, and then starts to play a few more Premier League games, then then yeah, if he was to go, I just I don't think a loan would do him any more favours. Yeah. Um, I think he'd have to be sold, and and that in that sense we'd probably look to get ten to fifteen million for him, but. Whether that could be done in in the time frame now between now and the end of the window, I, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, and and we we'll talk a bit about Europe. I guess you're. We spoke to a, a Newcastle fan on this podcast. Villa Park is another one of those stadiums that it's, it deserves European football. And um, no matter what level of European football is, I, I guess the aim is to continue to move forward. But I guess you're you're buzzing for to to have European football back. Oh, absolutely. I think. It's just a pin again. It's a pinch me moment to say that almost everything fell into place for us towards the end of last season. I think even I remember being on a podcast with it was like a Newcastle one, um, <clears throat> and they they like to invite other supporters on for like a um, like a it was like a Europe uh, end of season kind of Europe roundup show, like towards the end of the season, like who's going to, who's going to win the battle to qualify for Europe. And there was a few fans on there going, why are you on as a Villa fan? What are you doing on here? Cause it was, I think we were 11th at the time. We we're on a decent run, but like the likes of Brentford and Fulham were quite way ahead of us and Tottenham were way ahead of us and, and to kind of have it turn around as it did. You know, we just kept winning and like all these other teams are just losing. And then we managed to beat the likes of Tottenham who were, who were around us. We got a result against Liverpool and then we had all, all to play for in the last game against Brighton, albeit they'd already qualified it and they would have finished sixth. So everything kind of went into place for us. And the atmosphere at the club has just been incredible. Um and we have got to get through this playoff round in the conference league. So it depends who we get. I think we're seeded in that, in that draw. And I think we'll hopefully get a favorable draw in that, but subject to that and getting into like the group stages of that competition. I mean, you saw it yourself last season with West Ham, you know, what it means to those, to those type of clubs, like a West Ham, like a Villa, you know, even say a, a Brighton, if they were to, to, to get into it or like a Fulham, if they would have got, got into it, what it means to these teams, it's, it's, you know, we haven't been in Europe for I'd say probably ten to fifteen years, and to get into it now would would to to kind of win a trophy even or to get far in in a tournament would just be incredible. Like you said, you know, under the lights at Villa Park would just be brilliant. Doesn't matter who you play, and to go to on an away trip to I don't know Kazakhstan or Czech Republic or something like that, you know, it'd just be just be brilliant again. So yeah, I can't wait. No, it's great. It's, it'll be great to see. I, I really like it. It's, it's a club that deserves to be there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And and what are your expectations? Obviously, that's it's a, it's a wanted distraction to have. Are you expecting to finish at a similar position in the Premier League and have a good run, or do you think you'll have a good run and maybe drop off, or one or, or the opposite? Um, momentum's everything, isn't it? And it, it it's so hard to it's so hard to say. Um, but I, I would like to think that the momentum is there for us to continue to push on. Now, granted, it's extremely difficult to move from move one place up in the Premier League. You know, we finished seventh. That's that was probably um, a, 
you know, a beneficial position in the fact that Chelsea were so bad. Yeah. Tottenham tailed off so badly. You know, Fulham dropped off towards the end of the season as well. So we took advantage of of, of the team. And West Ham obviously had a, had a bit of a nightmare season. Um, I don't think we're going to do as badly as West Ham did. I think uh, the way that we play, I think the the kind of setup of our squad is is in a better place. Um, but if we could maybe replicate, you know, seventh or eighth position and win a cup, that would be that would be amazing for for Villa for this season. If we could, I was saying this question to the to the lads on the podcast yesterday. I was like. What would you do? Like, would what would you target? Would you target winning the Conference League, knowing that you could get into the Europa League the next season, um, <clears throat> and and kind of make sure you were okay in the Premier League? Because achieving the top six position in the Premier League is is incredibly difficult. Whereas winning the Europa Conference League on paper isn't isn't as difficult. Yeah. So. I think he's going to target those two. You obviously want to make sure that you're doing well in the Premier League, but I think he'll target that. The, that win in the Conference League and finishing as high up in the league as we possibly can. But it's going to be really interesting to see how he, what teams he plays, because there's no way that like a Watkins and a Diaby can play Thursday night Conference League and then Sunday afternoon Premier League. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why the squads need, like you mentioned West Ham, and it's a, it's a good point because I think you're much more of a front footed team than they are. So I think that kind of cost them a little bit but also their squad was pretty much a set 11 for the majority of the season whereas that's why that depth's needed and and like you say that striking option if if Watkins did pick up a knock that's what's that's what's going to be yeah that's what's going to that, that's what's going to really make us suffer I, I would I mean he's got John Duran in there who's a who's a young Colombian six foot two six foot three big lad but very 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 raw I think he's giving him extra time to to be away with his family and, and train by himself. And he's going to join up with the rest of the squad on the 1st of August. Um, <clears throat> so it'd be interesting to see if he gets any game time because Cameron Archer is an off the shoulder type striker. Ollie Watkins is, is a real worker um, and he, he's, a, he's a decent all rounder. Um, and, and in fact, Emery has asked him to stop doing so much running because he wants him more in the box, which yeah. obviously benefited him towards the end of the season. But I, I would like a, a, a different option. I, I think we need, if, if John Duran can't do it, I think we need a bigger, a, a, not a target man as such, but just a player who can be a different option. Like if you need to go long um, or if you need to get balls into the box, can can play in that manner. So it is going to be interesting to see what he does, but strikers are hard to come by, you know, or centre forwards even are hard to come by. So, and you got uh, well in the championship. The the guy from Coventry was it? He he went to Sport yeah. in Lisbon for big money. Like championship strikers, even are going for big money. So it's 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 difficult to get anyone. You know that's that's not a that's not a gamble. Yeah, yeah, it's totally like because the the Premier League proven strikers are, are already in the Premier League. So you've got every, yeah. every, every signing yeah. you've got to get is gonna it's gonna be expensive. Yeah, and, and Watkins. Yeah, exactly. And Watkins gets quite a bit of criticism, and some of it's fair. You know, he does miss quite a few chances. But when you look at all the all the charts for like you know top English scorers for um, goals since the turn of the year, he's like third or behind Kane and Haaland. So it's like. If he was if he was more clinical, he wouldn't be playing for Aston Villa. That's that's yeah. the point. So I think we we have to sometimes 
you know, kind of count our blessings that, that he is with us and he's, he's, that, he's that willing to kind of put the work in. That being said, he hasn't signed a new contract yet. So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of kind of, what's the word? Um, there's a little, there's probably a little bit of back and forth between the Fair club right. and, and Watkins and his agent. You know, he's, he's might be holding out for more money or to see what's out there. Um, and, and we're kind of, you know, put, you know, we're waiting to see what else, you know, we can do in terms of an offer for him. So get him signed first and then, you know, see about potentially a backup for him. Yeah, that'll be great. And, 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 that's, uh, we'll finish it there, but it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I, I'm looking forward, like you say, to see the to Villa under the lights at Villa Park. Um, it's going to be a great season for you, I'm sure. Um, if you want to just shout out all your socials and stuff and the, and the podcast again, so we know where to find you. Yeah, sure. So uh, the the podcast is the Villa Park podcast. We're on YouTube and we do uh, release on Spotify most most of the shows but main main way to get us is on youtube at villa park pod and um, we do live shows we do um roundup shows we do uh, a tactic show with a football analyst so loads of different content on there and then on mainly on twitter at villa park pod i'm at south rich on uh, on my own personal one and then we're also on tiktok and uh and instagram as well at, at villa park pod so plenty of places you can find us and uh yeah love to have everyone on board yeah absolutely it's great stuff thank you very much for spending a little bit of your evening with us um like we said to all our guests we'll definitely catch up midway through the season see how these uh, predictions have gone and and how the season's going um and, and yeah it'll be uh, great to have you on again no problem at all anytime and that wraps up another episode of our premier league guide series i hope you've enjoyed it i really enjoyed that one a very positive episode from start to finish really looking forward to seeing those guys in europe thanks again to those three fans darren joe and rich for coming on it was an absolute pleasure to have you all um and yeah make sure you check those guys out ben you might have noticed disappeared halfway through the end of that villa podcast um he did have to go to a pub quiz so that's why he, he was a bit silent towards the end um but yeah hope you've enjoyed it one more to go the big boys are coming soon so look forward to that and then next week the predictions start to come so look out for those as well hope you have a nice week and we will see you again soon goodbye